Good morning, everyone. Uh, today's passage is 3 John, so please follow along in your Bibles or on the screen behind me. The Elder. To my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honours God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you, the friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Thank you, Scott, for the great uh, welcome and the kids, uh, the all ages talk, which is really, you've just stolen my whole introduction for me. So that's great. Um, you've set everyone up well for that. Um, I used to think I was Tony Hawk as a kid on a skateboard. But your, your eye, where are you, Scott? Your eye made me think of Zoolander's Blue Steel, um, if you're a bit older and remember that movie. Um, or, or how much of, I mean, maybe you have a friend and I have one. He just seems to like, remember everything from the TV shows and imitates them. Um, you know, Smelly Cat from Friends was a popular one back in the day. Like, people just imitate that sort of stuff all of the time. And you might hear something in the shops. Um, kids will imitate TV characters when they play. They often have the accent of the TV characters they're talking about. Um, or they, they want the stuff their friends have. You know, my kids come home from a friend's house and every now and then they say, I really want this now because little Jimmy had it and I want it too and I want to be like Jimmy. And it's imitations everywhere. And I think kids really are one of the greatest examples of imitation, and particularly of parents. And that's both good and bad. On the screen is a photo of my youngest daughter, Emily, And you can probably make out what's going on there, but at the bottom is Natasha, my wife's computer. And, and up the front, emily has got a little wooden laptop and a cup of coffee having a Zoom meeting uh, while Natasha's on a Zoom meeting call as well. And Emily's doing the, I don't know what that is, um, I'm not sure if she saw Natasha doing that on a Zoom meeting, but she's imitating her while she's sitting at her computer. This was in lockdown uh, last year. But imitation is everywhere, isn't it? Um, it's all over the place. But imitation is also a really important part of our Christian life. 
one of God's lesser known means for growth is actually modeling and imitating to others. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And that brings us in a roundabout way to the book of 3 John, this little letter, which is all about imitating what is good. And you see that in verse 11, and it's the only imperative, the only command given to us in the whole book. And it just says, dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. And anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. So John, who's the author, he's simply emphasizing in this letter that Christian character is as much caught as it is taught. Christian character is as much caught as it is taught. That's what we're going to explore today. By way of background, uh, it is a short letter and there's names you've probably never heard of or don't understand what's going on. But it's written by John who calls himself the Elder. John is an old man at the moment. He was around when Jesus walked the earth as one of his disciples. And so he lived, um, this is probably written late in the first century as well. And he's the last of the remaining 12 followers of Jesus who are alive at this point. And he's written it to his dear friend called Gaius. And he's writing this letter because there's a problem. It seems that a guy by the name of Diotrephes, who's a member of Gaius's church, is acting in a toxic way. Um, Diotrephes is removing people from the church and he's spreading malicious rumors about who John is. Now Gaius, he's part of this church and he's typically been a very generous, hospitable, welcoming guy, welcoming believers that travel into his home. He's only ever had good things to say about John. Him and John have a good, deep relationship. In fact, Gaius has earned a reputation for that very thing. He's hospitable, he's generous. But Gaius is uncertain. Is he doing the right thing? Should he keep on following, or should he start following, I should say, the example of Diotrephes and stop associating with John and other Christians and distance himself? Because after all, isn't it true that the more you associate with people, the more they rub off on you? You see it with kids. They start talking a certain way or acting a certain way. Sometimes you only hear the squeaky wheel, so the saying goes. Now, for guys, there's pressure here to imitate Diotrephes. Should he do that? And so John writes into that to encourage him to keep being hospitable. Imitate good, not evil. John even assures him that when he arrives, he'll deal with the situation in person. Gaius, don't worry about him. I'll deal with it when I get there. But look around. God is doing wonderful things in that church. Demetrius is an example of that. So keep on looking to him and to Jesus. And so today, I just want to encourage you with that very same thing. And I pray that you will get a shot in the arm today to keep imitating Jesus, to celebrate what God's doing in others all around you, that God's doing wonderful things in the lives of those at Trinity Church Paraka. And we just sometimes have to notice that because we get distracted by other things. So let's explore it in three parts. Um, We'll take it in verse 2, 5, and 11 uh, with the phrase, dear friend, and that's how I've broken up the book. Three parts, dear friend, you're spiritually healthy. My dear friend, keep being hospitable. My dear friend, reputation matters. So, my dear friend, you are spiritually healthy. The elder to my dear friend, guys, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health, And that all may go well with you 
even as your soul is getting along well. Right away, you can feel the affection that John has for Gaius. It's, it's a word rooted in love. You see, John is deeply invested in the lives of those he knows. He loves them like a brother. So much so that he even knows the spiritual temperature of Gaius. He knows Gaius is the right way up spiritually. He's spiritually hygienic. He's healthy, so to speak. And because of that, John asked that God would grant him good physical health to match his spiritual health. That is, John wants the joy and the health of the gospel to translate into all pockets of his life. That's a good thing to pray, isn't it? That your spiritual health will be reflected in every other part of your life, in your relationships, in how you think about things, in your work situation. It's as if we say of one another here, I love that you love Jesus. It's great. And I pray that as you love Jesus and as Jesus loves you, every other part of your life would flourish like that. That's the impression he's, he's giving. Because spiritual health is a really good thing. Which we see in verse 3. He says, It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how much you continue to walk in it. Guys has a reputation for being faithful to the truth of the gospel. But... It's not just a Sunday morning uh, reputation he's earned. He's not known for mastering the theology of God's grace, but for being a man who lives it out, you see. If Gaius was married, and we don't know if he was, his wife would say, there's no disconnect between private and public Gaius. His kids would say the same thing, and his workmates, and his friends. And that's a good thing, isn't it? I mean, John says it in verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. I spent a long time in another church before coming to Trinity as a youth minister. And over 15 years, you get to see lots of young people come and go and trust Jesus and, and grow. And, and about three weeks ago, just before um, I had some time off, two of these youth group adults now uh, came to church. And... I hadn't seen them for a long time and they both rocked up on a Sunday and I knew them and, oh, great to see you. And they're walking faithfully with the Lord Jesus and they love him and they're growing as someone who loves Jesus and there's joy as they follow the one who made them and saved them and redeemed them and loves them to bits because they love him to bits. And I, I, I thought of three John, I thought, wow, isn't that true? To see someone walking in the truth is a wonderful thing. But do you see the whole new category that John's talking about here? Spiritual health isn't just you walking faithfully, but finding joy when others walk faithfully too. I mean, the question can be, and often you may find yourself in this boat, when you see someone growing and knowing God more, and maybe you see someone up the front doing a Bible reading or praying, and you think, well, how can they do that and not me? They're, they've only just come to church. Or you watch someone get saved and grow quite quickly. Am, are you, am I critical of the work that God's doing in someone's life? Am I too insecure to delight in their progress and joy? So let's celebrate the joy instead of each other walking in the truth. Those little wins along the way that you see, those moments of joy, those markers of God's grace. Because John's point is that, my dear friend, you're spiritually healthy, and I'm so glad to hear it. It fills me with joy. And as much as there's trouble, guys, as much as there's tricky bits, you are healthy. Don't miss it. Be encouraged. Keep it up. 
My dear friend, your love of Jesus is so great that we even see it in how you treat one another in hospitality. And that's the next, next, um, next part, five to ten. My dear friend, keep being hospitable. My dear friend, you are faithful in what you're doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they're strangers to you. They've told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name they went out receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. So in Gaius' day, when you traveled around the world to take Jesus to other people groups, the other Christians were your support group and you were dependent upon their hospitality. And Gaius' home was a stop along the way for traveling missionaries. And it was a stop filled with generosity and hospitality. It was a place that if you were leaving from A to get to B, they would say, please go out your way to see Gaius because he will look after you. He loves Jesus to bits. He'll give you everything you need for your journey. It's worth the detour. Or you'd make sure you went through there just so you could see him. He was that type of guy. And John is saying and asking him, keep doing that. You are faithful in that already. Keep doing it more. Keep doing it in a manner that honors God, in a manner worthy of God. Guys, keep reflecting the generous character of Jesus because he has a love for strangers too, doesn't he? Because Jesus was so hospitable to us when we were strangers to his grace. How can you not be that to others? And you are, so keep it up. And did you know that that's all you need to be hospitable to? A life changed by the truth of Jesus? A receiver of divine hospitality? From the one who for our sake became poor to make us rich? In the heavens rich? Which means that Jesus' generosity to us fuels our hospitality as believers. Oozing hospitality is the idea. A love for strangers, for those we don't know yet. That's the simple profound nature of the gospel. And when this is enacted, we work together for the truth. Not all gospel work goes to uncharted territory. The Purdies are going to Chile. Wonderful. Celebrate it. Go and and pray for them and please keep doing that. But not everyone will do that. Other gospel work happens holding the rope of support from our kitchens, from our lounge rooms, from our computers, from the coffee shop. And that's Gaius. He's holding the rope so others can go along the way and take the good news of Jesus to others. And that's another new category of thinking for some of us too. A gospel work that opens our hearts and our hands and our fridges to other people. Because the we ought still applies today. But we're in a different time and it's tricky. I think we have two barriers to to hospitality today that we we fall into as Christian people, as churches, as individuals. Firstly, we outsource it. After all, we have um, Airbnbs and Ubers and hotels and organizations that help so much in supporting other people. And they're good, and we should support them. But don't miss the person in the process. And often I think we can be tempted to outsource what we do and miss the person at the other end. The other thing that we fall into is that we fear hospitality. And that's especially true with COVID right now. 
we can't do as we'd like. Some of you are just wonderfully hospitable and have struggled to know what it looks like in a COVID world to do that. There's good reasons we can't be as hospitable as we like and we'll be cautious and limited in so many ways. But remember that hospitality isn't about the perfect conditions because COVID's exposed many more needs that need our concern. So what if we just have to think a little bit differently now? New opportunities. You can't get out your home. You can't have people in your home. That's fine. How can you be hospitable? Can you be hospitable? Yes. Why not start small and just begin here today and remember someone's name for next week? Why not just do coffee instead and commit to that once a month at the moment when you can? Yes, your ability to be hospitable wax and wane in life situations, newborn kids, um, deadlines at work, not feeling well, that's fine. Remember that God's grace is what makes you hospitable and able to be hospitable too. Because when we were not good guests, God took in and lavished his love upon us with abundant mercy. He's even gone so far as to make us members of his family. So, Paraka, keep being hospitable. But not everyone gets this or acts like this. Look at what John says in verse 9 and 10. I wrote to the church... But Diotrephes, who loves to be first, won't welcome us. So when I come, I'll call attention to what he's doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out the church. Diotrephes is the opposite of Gaius. He's not someone who forgets to invite you over for lunch or doesn't pay for your coffee. This is the story of someone who actively stops generosity. Notice what he does. He loves being first. He spreads malicious nonsense. He kicks people out the church and he tries to stop others coming in. His agenda isn't one of grace. It's power and self-importance. His way is the only way and it's an ungodly culture he's creating, isn't it? And moreover, John says, I'll address this in person when I get there. Why? Don't let diatrophies consume you, Gaius. I'll sort it out. I know it's tough. His beef was with me, not you. Let me handle that. Because the trouble with people like diatrophies is that just as water wears a rock down slowly or seeing too many ads for new shoes eventually lead you to buying four pairs of them, when a culture like this exists in a church or anywhere, it makes us wonder if we should imitate them. And that's the challenge Gaius is facing. Lest he thinks Diotrephes is walking in the truth and he should imitate him. Which is why the final part of the letter, John gives Gaius one command. My dear friend, reputation matters. Therefore, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. My dear friend, do not imitate evil. Do not mimic diatrophies. He's acting in a way that shows he's not seen the goodness of God. And that's a caution for guys to not go down that same path. Keep imitating good, which in the context here is specifically tied to hospitality, to loving the truth of Jesus, welcoming strangers who love Jesus. And to not imitate evil means not behaving like diatrophies, kicking people out, spreading malicious nonsense. This is another remarkable category, do you see? It shows how the gospel creates this new way of living. It may look like a choice between, oh, being hospitable or not. 
But it shows that not to welcome and love those who follow Jesus is to reject the same Jesus that he has love for you for. But John moves on because lest he think that the whole church is full of diatrophies, he wants to remind guys of someone else, Demetrius. One verse is all we have on him. But there's three things we glean about this man. Three character references, like you might put on your job description, for example. Demetrius is spoken well of by everyone, even the truth itself. And we also speak well of him, and you know our testimony is true. He's spoken well of. Jesus speaks well of him, the truth. And John speaks well of him. Because sometimes people like Diotrephes are overwhelming and they take all the time and energy. And when you see people like that, if you're in a culture like that, maybe at work, maybe at home, it just sucks the air out of the room and it feels like that's the only thing going on. There's only hard things going on. And John says, yes, but look at this other person. God is at work in the lives of others, his other people, even when we might only see the example of a few slightly faulty believers. They might be the loudest, but they're not the majority. There are heaps of people in front of me today as well who plod along faithfully of whom the gospel of Jesus is living and evident in your life. And I want to celebrate and encourage you in that. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for being faithful. When no one else is, you still are. When you don't see it, you still are because God is good. He is the Savior. Because John's point right here is to say, brothers and sisters, look to those people. See the faithful ones like Demetrius. Avoid the diatrophies. Don't think that they represent the whole. Imitate what is good. But as you think about who to imitate, be cautious of only imitating someone from a distance because it's really hard to see someone's character from far away. I have really, really bad eyesight, as in terrible. If I took my glasses off, the microphone would be blurry. I couldn't see it. About five, six years ago, I was at the river water skiing. And when you water ski, you should take your glasses off. They don't float. We found this out a few weeks back at the river. Someone's sunglasses. They said they float. They don't. The Murray River, you can't see. Terrible. And I was at the river, and um, I was with some young adults at the time, and it was trendy to have a man bun back then. <laughs> and to have a man bun, what's the one thing you need? Hair, long hair, particularly, for it to be the cool man bun. Did you, Pat Rafter had a man bun before they were trendy, I realized. If you look at some of the 1999, 10, anyway. He, this, this person got out the River Murray, and their long hair was flowing. And they had no top on, just a pair of bathers. And I looked at them from about here to the doorway and went, oh, that poor girl, her top has fallen off in the river. She hasn't noticed it because she's been water skiing. And I ran over with a towel like this. And as I got closer, I realized it was not a girl. It was a guy. And I was so blind. I just saw long hair and the bathers and thought, oh dear. It was so hard to see from far away. I couldn't do it until I got closer. And that's the same with someone's character. Look at verse 13 and 14. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon and we'll talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greeting. Greet the friends by the, na by the name. Their by name. Today, John would say, I'd rather not have a Zoom. We have to. It's important, but we'll end it quickly. 
It's not that you can't have joy online or virtual or long distance, but the joy is limited, isn't it? We've all felt that in COVID at times. And the caution here is that distance means you're only ever seeing a window into someone's house. What do I mean? Well, you look through my front window of my home and you'll see me sitting there on the couch and you'll see my home. But there are bits you can't see unless you go in. Come into my home, it's a different story. You'll see the couch, you'll see the fridge, you'll get closer, you'll understand why things are the way they are. But from a distance, from the outside, you'll only see a little bit. You'll see bits to imitate if you come in and bits to avoid, to learn from. Because anyone can make their front yard tidy, but does the gospel of grace permeate into how I speak to my kids at 7 a.m. in the morning? Or 5.30 in the morning? Or your husband after work? Or does it change how you spend your money or what you scroll through in the evening as you sit on the couch? Can people see Jesus in you? Can your wife and kids see Jesus in you at home? But do they see the weeds you struggle with too? And the, the need for grace and prayer and the heart of someone who is deeply sorry for their sin but knows the gospel of Jesus is what's going to redeem them and rescue them from that. Because the temptation is today to sometimes live with a Christmas light style of Christianity. Everything that was great at the front for a little bit, but actually, there's stuff going on you don't want anyone to see. But you see, Jesus is interested in your whole life, in person and private. As we've seen, God's interested in imitation. And as John said, real life, face-to-face, meeting God's people, is one of the best ways to learn from how to imitate in the Christian life. It happens on the couch. It happens from fridge to fridge, from coffee shop to coffee shop, from church sheet to church sheet, and it happens on the internet. John's point, though, we need godly people online, offline, in person, far away to imitate, you see? So my dear friends, as John encouraged guys, so I want to encourage you now. Imitate what's good. That's what 3 John's about. Look for the real-life examples of those walking in the truth, not being distracted with those who aren't. God's doing great things in and through you. Emulate worthy Christians. Be a worthy Christian to emulate. Look for Demetrius's all around you. Celebrate the wins. Value hospitality. Because so many of you are being faithful in what you're doing for the brothers and sisters. And by God's grace, that can be true of each one of us today as well. So I want to give some thought to imitation. Imitating Jesus, looking to others who are doing that too. Because Christian character is as much caught as it is taught. Let's pray together. Our great God and Savior, when we were strangers to you, you were hospitable to us. You've welcomed us into your family through Jesus Christ. You forgive us and you give us a new place in your kingdom. So Father, help us to be worthy of imitation and to imitate others to look to examples, to know that your grace is what matters, to celebrate that in in the lives of those here at Paraka. So Lord, may we be worthy through Jesus Christ alone of imitating, and may we imitate others too. Thank you, Lord. Amen.